welcome to another episode of the Secret Origins of Nick Condition. This is the Reaction Show edition. Uh, I am one of your hosts, James, and we are once again on the bridge of the USS Mint Condition. And joining me again is John Whittemore. Hey there. And from a galaxy far, far away, the host of Trash Compactor, a Star Wars podcast, returning guest, Josh Bernhardt. Hello, everybody. So uh, I think we have a lot to to talk about with this second episode of Picard. Um, my initial thought is I think the show has finally found its its legs. Um, but uh, I will open it up to you two. So John, what were your thoughts on this second episode of the second season? Uh, my thoughts were actually a bit mixed on the episode itself, um, which, uh, to be fair, I totally expected to happen. I think it's the uh, the second episode slump after you come out swinging with your first episode, setting it all up. You got to live up to that in the second episode. Um, but I really enjoyed uh, the beginning. I uh, John Delancey back as Q was everything for me. Um, and I think he jumped right into that role. So I had, I had a really good time. And then and then the episode was a little bit, uh, you know, good in the action, good on uh, the overall production. But it felt like it was uh, definitely rushing through a number of key points where I found myself scratching my head like, huh, that, 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 that happened really quickly. Uh, all right. And on to the next part of the show. You know, that was that was just sort of my basic feeling on it. No, those are those are all good thoughts. I mean, I I, I love the stuff with John Delancey. Um, I thought the alternate history was interesting. Um, but before I, I get into all my stuff, Josh, what were your initial thoughts about the episode? No, I broadly agree with what John said. Um, uh, I'll be the third to say John Delancey is Q. It was a delight, and I love that scene. And there's some stuff going on in there with this version of Q and what he's doing and saying that I really. Uh, do want to dig into a little bit more but um you know i um i wouldn't call it a second episode slump i like i broadly um i enjoyed the episode very much i was engaged uh no pun intended um the uh <laughs> i do think um if i'm if i'm interpreting your words correctly john i think and james the uh, uh you said you felt things were maybe a little sort of rushed and kind of head scratchy is it like kind of kind of everyone's very quick acceptance to the idea that they're in an alternate universe and sort of sort of getting up to speed because my um my sense is that not only is i think the reason for that is that the the audience sort of knows how these alternate universes work and i think uh, uh uh by this point if you're in starfleet or starfleet adjacent i feel like the characters also kind of get it as well um i think that there's like some kind of starfleet like like tra uh training uh session that they go through where it's like okay so if you find yourself in an alternate uh timeline and you know if if uh, the guy you were talking to yesterday, if your commanding officer um, shows up with a mustache all of a sudden, where yesterday he was clean shaven, uh, you might want to uh, check and see, um, uh, uh, like recheck the the uh, the policies of of uh, <laughs> of your organization. Um, uh, but um, uh, you know, uh, the thing for me was the pacing of the episode. I really, you know, it's funny we're talking about how. Uh, how it kind of feels like, you know, that it's capturing that TNG feel a little bit, that kind of sense of adventure. But the one place where I really 
felt the modern standards, the modern conventions of TV kind of interfering with that is when I realized, oh, this entire episode is is basically like set up for the next leg of the journey, right? So this whole episode is going to be reacting and like the sh- the the shenanigans of what happens when you realize you're in another timeline and etc 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 um that said i enjoyed it uh, uh james you finally got your uh the ds9 references that uh you were talking about we got a Gulducott shout out and a general martok shout out i know I was, I <laughs> it was that, good <laughs> i thought that was pretty cool um and uh uh, yeah, uh, uh, the only other thing I'll say, I was really hoping uh, Beverly Crusher would show up in the alternate timeline as, as General Picard's wife. That would have been really good. And I, I want to go to something we, you said offline, Josh, to me, is like we should have brought Beverly Crusher up as a lost romance lat- in our episode from last week that we didn't touch upon. Yeah, I'm shocked we didn't. Because that, that was a sort of a romance he had in terms of like, it didn't last either, like most of his stuff we were talking about last week. But it was it was more of, it was the romance we were most familiar with, I guess, on the show. I mean, talk about not lasting. It was kind of, uh, uh, you know, in a sense, his his most long lasting relationship. Yes, I guess I guess that's true. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's also it's also the one we saw, I guess, the most because we spent those seven years with that part of his life. Um but we did, we were remiss to bring up Beverly Crusher, and it would have been nice to see um, to see her appear in this episode as his alternate history wife. Well, I, so in my thoughts, I, I I thought the show finally found its legs with this episode. I mean, it did it did kind of end abruptly for me. I thought I thought they were at least going to jump through time, but uh, it was it sort of like ended like oh, this is like a real cliffhanger, which. That type of ending, I guess, is what you can do now with streaming services. It didn't seem like a normal ending to a show. It just kind of stopped um, middle action to me. Uh, but I, I, I agree with all the sentiments you said. It, it, both of you said it was sort of like just getting us orientated with the, the crux of why they have to go back in time. Um, but to, I guess, to kind of, you know, jump into the episode proper of the things we've touched upon, what are our, uh, what are our thoughts about the, this new different version of Q, um, John? Um, this, so I'm, I'm already thinking 10 steps ahead moment, uh, uh, you know, when it's like this version of Q going into the season, I couldn't help, but keep on thinking about that, like near throwaway line in discovery at the beginning of the season where they said, we haven't heard from the Q continuum in X hundred of years, whatever, I think it was four or six hundred years. So I've been in my mind going over all the scenarios of, well, what, what does, what are the ramifications of that? So seeing Q and, 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 and then Picard immediately calling him out, hey, something's not right with you. Oh, I, I, I want to find out now. I'm, I'm, I really want to find out what's going on. And I thought that John Delancey played the almost frenetic, uh, slightly unstable, but only really noticeable if you either know Q really well, which is really what, 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 why it's through the eyes of Picard. As an audience member, it would be easy to say, well, he's just being you know, his usual intense self or something like that. When you're seeing it through Picard's eyes, you say, yeah, there, there is something a little bit off about him here, but I don't know what it is. Uh, a bit of regret, a bit of fear, uh, 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 something. And I even got a, a little bit of a sense that maybe this was almost like, he called it a penance, but it was also sort of like a parting gift to, to Picard. Like there's something that Q is... Uh, afraid of and the and the history in Voyager with that what I thought was an entertaining but silly Civil War storyline um, though it's great if you're a Civil War buff mixing it with Voyager I mean there you go 
but um, <laughs> uh, it, it really made me interested to say, okay, this is not the cue we knew. He's not all confident, all stable, but he didn't seem to be overly malicious. Uh, uh, and he's definitely seemed to be distracted. Uh, so I think, I think there's more to the, more to the story than we, we know already, uh, to be fair. And my only complaint, which is just a total me thing is that every time Q shows up, I just want more. I'm like, no, don't, don't snap your fingers and go away, leaving us to want more. I need more banter. I need, I need to know more about what's going on in the Q continuum. Like that would be my thing. I want the, uh, the, uh, inside the actor's studio with Q sitting there for you know, two hours that I can just interview him and ask him random questions. Um, and oddly enough, I think Picard would probably do the same thing if he wasn't so frustrated. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you. I think when Q, when Q, I think Q, I would have wanted more Q in this episode, but I, I guess they're going to space him out and, uh, and save him for his, his future episode appearances. I, I was, I was listening to an interview with John Delancey um, and uh, he was, he was saying there's more Q to come. Uh, but Josh, what, what were your what's your impression about the this this cue that we're seeing? Well, first off, I agree with everything John said. I certainly got that impression that there was something going on that was um, circumstances were such that this was sort of um, not a, a desperate move necessarily, but something's not quite right. And I I do agree. I think that that this is a we're going to discover that this is a gift to Picard, whatever scenario Q is arranging or is responsible for here. Um, I did not make the connection to that throwaway discovery line, which as soon as you said, John, uh, I think you're right on the, I, th I think you're spot on with that. I think we may be about to witness the end or the death of the Q continuum. Um, and you know, right before whatever's happening happens, Q wants to um, send, uh, he wants to do one final th thing for his old friend uh, Picard um, or do something with the trial that he, he meant to, to uh, that was always meant to happen, but, you know, maybe not right now at this moment and in this fashion. Um, uh, but now, you know, external circumstances have kind of have have kind of forced his hand. I'd be fascinated to uh, learn what what if I mean, what sort of a phenomenon could be responsible for the destruction or the loss of the Q continuum. Um, I, I you really just kind of blew my mind a little bit. Um, uh, uh, that said, there were two things I really wanted uh, to note about the Q scene, you know, one thing that was just kind of a style thing that I thought was an interesting choice that um, subtly hints at what you're talking about. And also the idea that like the Q's powers are not what they used to be or uh, a diminishing or there's something wrong or they don't have the time for the usual botanage and they just kind of really have to get right to business it's a simple thing but he snapped and in tng and the other shows when he snapped there would be a flash of light like a special effect and in this in this scene he snapped and it was just a hard cut and i thought that that was a very um you know stylistically i think it's a more mature kind of less flashy way of 
and also a more expedient way of like you don't need the special effect we all know what's going on here right um uh, but i think thematically actually really ties into what you were talking about the other thing that really stuck out to me um i think probably stuck stuck out to everybody was hugh hits picard in the face and bloodies mm. his nose yeah. and and that really um you know given what we were discussing last week about you know spousal abuse or the the idea that you know maybe he came from an abusive household i think that's why that is there i think q q is is very knowing picard as he does i think q is intentionally cutting right to it in a way that on so many levels he knows will make he knows will 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 stop picard in his tracks will make it uh, um what he's saying resonate yeah that that slap was very that was like the big i guess tell for the audience if you didn't get that there was something different about q him striking picard and drawing blood was like definitely a sign that this is this is not the q we remember or q is really serious now he's not just playing you know maleficent like just jester or quirky guy you know he's like he means business this time uh that that definitely was like you know something is something is definitely wrong with q and or he's trying to do something very important before whatever happens to him i mean the way, way we're talking you know to, to pull from our other favorite shows maybe q and the q continuum are going beyond the rim <laughs> they're, they're finally evolved to a place where they got to leave this plane of existence <laughs> you know that was a mm. thought I, I i had and i thought you know it's very it, it, it's very common in so many other sci-fi shows. Uh, uh, yeah, Babylon Five, Stargate, where it's just like you know what you've been you've been on that higher plane of existence in your own galaxy for too long that it's just that the sandbox is too small. It's time to move on, and if you stay, if you overstay, you're welcome. Uh, you're going to end up, uh, you know, either regressing or or or, or causing a problem uh, of you know for your, for yourself down the road. And I think uh, that's also just the best way that writers find of dealing with what do you do with omnipotent beings when you write another storyline that deals with another near omnipotent being, are you just gonna have like a whole galaxy full of omnipotent beings? Um, right. And that's why, that's why that throw a line, that, that line in discovery was so notable for me because they, they went through a, like a laundry list of, well, who could this be? And uh, without any spoilers, you know, they indicated this and, you know, this, this uh, uh, entity, they were, you know, trying to figure out in discovery was extraordinarily powerful beyond anything that the federation could measure and so q you know were, were almost was on that list but uh you know and so was the iconian empire which i would love to see more of that but you yeah. think about just how many of these groups that you know they've encountered and it would be inevitable they would sort of conflict with each other you know and, and where, what is the pecking order are, are q at the top uh uh you know, where, where, where would all these other, you know, great powers be? And at some point, you just got to write them out because you, you're going to be stuck with the universe too full of too many things where you could just say, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't they interfere? And as a quick side note, I think that's why in something like Doctor Who, they wrote a very interesting line of like, they, they had to justify, well, why doesn't this like super powerful person come in and interfere all the time, you know, and, and save humanity from itself? And they would use the argument because sometimes he just turns away, you know, sort of disgusted by us. And that line, I remember, I think that was in Children of Earth. Uh, yes, it was. Decade. Yeah. And for some reason, that line vibed with me seeing Q in the first in, in the first few scenes here. There was something where I, I just got the sense where it's like, oh, man, you know, humanity is still not loving up to their potential. 
the queue take a particular interest in us probably because they see that potential and are most disappointed by us not uh, living up to it. I think we touched on that last episode. Mm. Um, and, and that, and that sort of overall vibe is what I get where it's just, and, and maybe that was his like core frustration where he just almost got like a, a, a super frustrated parent, but crossed the line of violence. Mm. Yes. Uh, yeah. Hard. And uh, I'm really interested to see what, you know, where, where, where that goes. And I would have loved to be in the writer's room to see, you know, what, what are they thinking here? And something that I also recall though, in past conversations with the two of you, uh, uh, we probably have 10 times the length of a conversation about something than the actual writers probably did <laughs> in terms of the amount of analysis and thought and overthought we put into it. And I bet you if we interviewed those writers, it'd be like, oh, that's an interesting idea. That totally makes sense. And we're going to run with that. But that's not how we thought of it. We just wrote it. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's I probably true. I don't know. I think you'd be surprised. I think you'd be surprised at the conversations that are going on in these writers' rooms. I mean, that said, I don't, I don't know for sure, but um, I uh, uh, don't, uh, don't sell them short. That's all I'll say. And I do appreciate from the writers. I mean, we don't know if they're going there or not, but you know, hitting on something that I think both of you touched upon. I, I don't. It seems like the new trek that we're in, the new shows we're getting, don't throw away anything from the past. So I wouldn't be surprised if that that silly episode in Voyager about a Q civil war actually has something to do with the continuum yeah. that's happening now. I mean, it, it might've been silly to us at Voyager at the time, but they, they could have, they could milk that for some real good storytelling now in terms of what's happened to the continuum. That's uh, what's impressed me about this. Uh, the, all the shows writers right now is that they are, they're, they're very deftly weaving together this gigantic amount of, of, you know, mythology that already exists in the, in, in the star trek universe and they're doing it in a in a pretty amazing way without stepping on everything and without having to you know tie themselves in knots that's of course why i think discovery jumped into the future it was just okay we can't actually do what we were doing uh yeah. for for too much longer without running into some walls and picard is sort of in that same way uh doing it where and everybody says oh time travels the trope this episode's clearly about time travel and uh, uh once they brought up the uh the slingshot around the sun as, as as silly as that is in Star Trek, when you think about the various ways to to travel time, it's one of the most fun because it's Star Trek Four, and everybody loves yeah. Star Trek Four. <laughs> so if they're going to be doing that, it's just sort of like, oh, this is going to be—is this going to be a joy? It's going to be—it's going to be darker than Star Trek Four, to to be sure. But I think it opens up some of that same ability to see what are these characters going to be like in the 21st century and have, what kind of like fish out of water fun experiences we are, because uh, I don't know about, you know, yeah, I think we talked about like the, my origin for Star Trek was Star Trek four. And yeah. I will never forget the bus scene. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just between, between, between uh, Spock just giving the Vulcan nerve pinch to a punk on a bus and Captain Kirk having to go, well, d d double dumbass on you. Like yeah. there was just a certain thing like that. I really hope the writers have some fun with the idea of these characters being back in the 21st century, having no idea how to deal with our version of crazy, you know, and the weird things that we do in this era. Um, so that, that, that should be a lot of fun. And that, I think that goes back to like some of the vibe we had about this was a setup episode to get to bridge us to that point, because even, even the season trailers have indicated that's where the majority of filming seems to have taken place. Uh, is is in, in that storyline. So this this was the massive amount of setup. But that said, that brings me to my next sort of like big uh, uh, thing with it, 
which is that it's a great idea. It's a great concept because I think it's something that always is worth re-exploring is humanity being on the edge of totalitarianism, uh, fascism, et cetera. They don't, interestingly, they don't use the word fascism at any point, I don't think. They refer to it as totalitarian state. And uh, I think that's a deliberate choice. Um, See, well, that's but, interesting. Sorry, to, I mean, yeah. I mean, sorry to interrupt. Like, that's the kind of thing that I that I don't know that the writers were necessarily thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> you mean at a conscious level, they didn't realize they're weaving in current cultural like. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is like, uh, uh, like saying a totalitarian versus fascist. Oh, I get it. I get it. Yes, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. But yes, I, I guess that's probably true. They may not be focusing on that, but um, I'm interesting. But I, I think that 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 has to do with my my complaint about how to handle all that, which is sort of which was my big takeaway, which I think that's me whenever when I whenever I have one big thing about an episode, it, it tends to flavor the rest of it, which was that they didn't do totalitarianism very well. And what I mean by that is that we were we were thrown to this alternate universe and brilliant you said josh like yeah it's like there, there's a, there's a starfleet academy course on what to do if you wake up in an alternate universe um at this point and which by the way would be brilliant for like lower decks to just yes yes it was. The way they did this. <laughs> um and this was very much and, and and the rushed feeling wasn't so much the pacing it was the environment it was that okay everybody was told this is a totalitarian version of your reality. And, but you actually don't get very much of the actual reality of what it was like to live in that world. You, you, you simply took it on faith that Q tells you his chateau seems to have, uh, 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 you know, uh, either, either endangered servants or slave or, or aliens as slaves. Uh, they don't even use that word. So, so you're, you're still not sure what the deal is. You know that they're conquerors, but honestly, it doesn't, the, the earth they portrayed didn't feel any worse than the Klingon empire. And I know that that was the foil to the original series, but it didn't have that sense of dread of like, what is it about this world that is particularly bad? And when you look at them, Hey, they're about to wipe out the Borg for crying out loud. Like that, that that's where they're at is that they've actually limited the Borg down to one queen who they're going to execute publicly, which again, I, I think was interesting, but sort of silly. Um, and they're actually successful. And the world, they, it, Q makes the reference to, okay, they're keeping Earth on life support because they did destroy the environment, but it still looked pretty good. So I didn't, I didn't get the, if, if I was sort of new to the whole thing and I was watching this, I didn't get the feel of, okay, but this is a world that we desperately have to avoid. It was just, well, this is a slightly worse world and they're definitely like people you don't want to aspire to be and they're far more violent but it didn't have that sense of dread of like we have to change this because this is the antithesis of who we are it was just sort of written down on paper like hey no this is not what you are you got to go change it no i was just gonna say um i i hear your your uh, your critique um i got that from from this episode i i was sort of dreading what was about to happen or what could happen at any moment and i was kind of horrified it did seem to me but but um why that is exactly i'm not sure i think you know part of it is sort of you know a lot of the iconography of you know fascist or totalitarian regimes are present in this uh the confederation universe as they refer to it and i think that it's it's you know trading on 
um, the baggage we bring with certain symbols and certain, you know, colors and certain arrangements, um, you know, you know, something I thought was actually particularly horrifying. I mean, yes, like you can say, well, oh, in this in this universe, they they defeated the Borg. You know, that doesn't seem uh, like a wholly bad thing. Uh, but, uh, but if you look at the crowd, the bloodlust, the 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 way that they, um, you know, th they're really reveling in the the destruction of this, albeit uh, destructive uh you know, to me is really the the antithesis of what, you know, you like to think humanity is supposed to be on a good day. And certainly the way humanity in Star Trek's 24th century um, has shown itself to be. So so I I hear your critique. Um, I personally I didn't have that issue with it. I for whatever reason, I kind of got what you felt was missing from it. Um, and again, exactly why that is, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Well, you know, I, I was thinking about that too. And I said, I, I, when, when I, you know, dial back my own critique, because I can go real far once I have an opinion, uh, if you haven't uh, been able to tell that yet, um, <laughs> that, uh, since they did decide this is going to be a, a one episode thing that we're, we're, we're going to, you know, show the alternate, uh, uh, 24th century, uh, for just one episode, uh, they mm. really did have to get everything done in that time frame. They couldn't do what uh, a lot of other – they couldn't Handmaid's Tale it by right. really giving you a lot of the world. Personally, I think that's probably how I would have written it if it was a story I would have written. It doesn't have to be Star Trek just because I think uh, when you bring people deep enough into that, uh, uh, it makes them want to get out of it even more. And I guess that's the sense that I was missing was that this was like – this was – uh, objectively bad, objectively the worst reality and something you have to avoid at all costs, but it didn't have that visceral feeling. Uh, uh, and, and, and there was just some little things missing in, in, in it that I, I can't put my finger on, but I feel like, you know, what, what it was like to live a day in that world, for example, as somebody who's not in power, you know, would have been something along those lines. Um, well, and, uh, and some, go, go on. Sorry, John, I didn't even want to catch up. I would say like that that would be something that I, I stuck. I guess if I was making nitpicks about this episode, it would be that, uh, you know, Q, I guess Q by design, who put them all in positions of relative power where they didn't, like they, they obviously struggled to get to the end of the episode, but they were all in high ranking positions where they kind of controlled the board in this universe. Um, I mean, Seven of Nine is the president and Picard is a high ranking general. Like, you know, Q could have made them anything, but we got we got to see you know, they, they could manipulate people around them to their ends trying to figure out this world. It wasn't like you were just implying, like seeing, they didn't wind up as like people on the street with no power and having to work out how to get, how to correct this time right, uh, right. crisis. And uh, for story purposes, that definitely makes, that makes a lot of sense. And you wouldn't have to do it necessarily from them, but their, but maybe their empathy towards somebody that was happening. But that's, but that's obviously not the story the writers are going for, which, which is something that that's, you know, totally, totally fine. Uh, they're going with, the story is how do we change that uh, rather than how do we live in it? And I think, um, you know, the, the Handmaid's Tale premise is, is literally the opposite where it's, we're going to throw you into this, you know, horrible uh, theocratic totalitarian world and never really take you out of it. We're never actually going to give you the payoff of necessarily the complete overthrow and the turning of the wheel back to a good world again. 
And Star Trek is that much more optimistic show, which focuses much more on, no, we're going to get there. We're, we're, it's going to be, you know, there'll still be a, a difficult journey for it. But you sort of know at the end of a season of Star Trek, they're going to get there uh, because that's ultimately what Star Trek is. It's not dystopian fiction. It's here's how you might screw up and here's how you fix it, uh, which is, I think, right. what Q's ultimate message is here. Yeah, well, that's interesting, though, because I, I have heard Patrick Stewart talking, and I know they're re- shooting Picard season three right now, and he was saying that Picard season three goes even further than Picard season two. So we may not get that mm. resolution at the end of the season. Oh, interesting. That's a, that's exciting. Because he, he has said, like, mean, if, you, if you think like if you think where we've gone with this season, multidimensional wise is crazy. Wait until you see what we're doing in season three. That, that was the only tilt of his tip of his hat that he gave the audience in terms of what they're doing right now. So I, I don't know if that means a like I said we're gonna have to they're gonna get a cliffhanger at season two or whatever happens in Picard's timeline is they're altering time for for real in the Federation it's it's very it's, it's very um, cryptic enigmatic what he said you know it's interesting John what you said about uh, you know invoking a show like The Handmaid's Tale which is very much about spending time in a totalitarian regime you know versus a show like Star Trek. Um, in in any iteration, I don't think Star Trek is well suited to that sort of long form nitty gritty exploration of of a culture. The one time they tried uh, to do, everyone said uh, your ratings are low. Let's uh, bring in uh, the Klingons. Uh, um, I'm talking about uh, uh, Bajor on Deep Space Nine. Uh, but to tie into what you were saying earlier, I do very much get a Voyage Home vibe um, uh, combined with First Contact vibe where um, one of the thing that I think uh, uh, one of the things I think that this episode demonstrates and it seems like the trailers are showing as well is they're they're really they're they're going for it. They're 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 saying some 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 uh broad and uh their things and really they're they're here to say what they're saying have fun i i feel like like i i absolutely have no doubt that the reason that they are traveling to 2024 los angeles is for all the reasons you said it's it's supposed to be I, I think they are absolutely intending to have fun with it in all the ways possible. And um, it's also a good way to um, uh, to be kind of social commentary that Star Trek is known for um, kind of be shy about it. Like, I don't think that that they're they're uh, pulling their punch to me um, from what we've seen in these two, uh, two episodes so far. And um, the little glimpses we've gotten, they do feel like they're just they're they're they are saying saying they're not like trying to hide the message, and they are are the uh, and the romp of um, you know fish out of water. It's fun seeing our future characters in our contemporary world kind of uh scenario and that just really contrasts uh uh with uh to tie it to what uh you were saying about the handmaid's tale where uh, 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 you know i find the handmaid's tale as good as it is um very difficult to watch and star trek i don't think is 
designed or intended to to operate that way. So I actually appreciate and um, I don't know, like maybe this is uh, doing the graveness of the subject matter a disservice, perhaps. Uh, uh, but I appreciate that they are trying to um, uh, to tell a story with the message and themes that it is, while at the same time, you know, having some fun to make yeah. it a little more a little more uh, palatable. I, th I think you. I mean, I, Star Trek always has a fun element. I think in it somewhere. You know, man, it always come yeah. come off that way. But I think Star Trek likes to have fun with its with its episodes. You know, they're not like the grim. They're not a grim show, as you guys are saying with the Handmaid's Tale. There is, I mean, this was the this was a grim episode. So hopefully, when they go, hopefully next episode will be a little lighter. Um, I feel like the tone of the show is yeah, to also, be all grim the whole time. Yeah, but also at the same time, like this was a grim episode, but it was also kind of fun. Like it was like uh, like it was fun to see as grotesque as it was like it was fun to see that 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 trophy room of all the skulls and to be like oh man like this is a ferengi skull like there's and 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 this is gull ducat and like and all that stuff like there is something sort of um maybe uh camp i want to say that is fun the fun aspect of camp that um and i been a very interesting relationship between um, a totalitarian regimes. I, I'm thinking in particular the Nazis and their 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 aesthetic and how how theatrical, knowingly theatrical their their aesthetic is. That's that's actually kind of the point. Um, and um, yeah, like in a perverse way, like this is this is, uh, uh, yes, this is a grim episode, but it's also, in certain ways, I guess what I'm I'm trying to get at is there's there's a playfulness to what they're showing us as well. Yeah, I I, I can see that. And, yeah, I mean it's it's I mean what if what ifs are always interesting and amusing to see what what could have happened and obviously for us as you, as you said earlier i got my ds9 references albeit the skulls of people who were in in ds9 but uh but yeah there there is a certain like a, a, you know um adventure kind of amusement going on with this and and then they then they tried to direct humor with Girardi and Pat Oswald as as their cat so uh we we got some direct comedy they were trying to splice oh my that gosh episode. <laughs> yeah and Girardi herself i guess Girardi by the way comic. she fine she she really she really clicked with me and uh, for me in a way this episode that uh, you know while I've really appreciated the character and the performance of Allison uh, of Allison Pill in uh, her past appearances like she really I thought her I thought she was just on fire this episode I thought all of her scenes were just really absolutely uh, 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 delicious and fun to watch that riff of her describing. <laughs> All of the episodes' events to weave them into this crazy concocted tale yes. to explain <laughs> to Seven's husband in that universe. That was brilliant. I don't think I've ever, you know, and and, and it you was tell no. at the end of that where her, she's like, <laughs> oh, she's winded from that like long space. She's like, okay, I just like said all of that, and she's like, I need a nap now, practically. And, and I can imagine the rehearsal for that scene was just, <laughs> just off the wall. Um, that 
it, it's comic relief without it being uh, 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 without it bringing down the level of the show. It's just really entertaining and fun. Which you said that's what Star Trek is. This isn't a dour show, and when they've done dour, they've they've done it in doses. It usually followed by something very upbeat or heartening. Uh, you know, uh, best of both worlds followed by uh, a family reunion. You know, like uh, going going go, going all over. So, so that's something that Star Trek has always had uh, uh, you know, as part of its uh, structure. But it it was it was it was certainly a romp uh, uh, when when you look at you know what they were able to accomplish it was it was you know how we how we going to do all this how we going to get there um uh and uh the the one the one who for me looked the most fish out of water but amused by the whole thing was elnor he was just like okay all right i'm just gonna go along with this and you know almost didn't question it like yeah this is just the level of insanity you people deal with all the time so i'm gonna go with it i zeroed in on another aspect of it i was a little taken aback that um, Raffi's reaction to seeing that was show off. That's and yeah. That's like, that's what I'm afraid. Uh, I got the line. You know, that's what I mean. Yeah. It was like it was like yeah. oh yeah. Like like, like like it wasn't encouraging. Like it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like it wasn't the the brutality of the violence. It was her reaction to witnessing that. Like she wasn't saying like um she wasn't shocked. She wasn't like. Uh, that was a little much, or uh, uh, slow down there, or or or, or calm down, or uh, stop. She she was she was very um, she was very flippant about it, and and that's what stood out to me because she's supposed to be, and I know she has some 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 addiction problems in um, the uh, the first season, but she's supposed to be uh, from from our from the the prime universe where uh, we don't where we we frown upon violence like that well i mean john and john i mean this can go back to what john was saying about the fact that we didn't really get that full defined totalitarian like fascist like state like if you're if the if the writers are thinking these this form of the federation are nazis then it's always okay to kill nazis <laughs> like, like i guess the, well, the only well, justification well, and, or yeah. Raffi's, or Raffi's thinking yeah. like, well, we're going to fix yeah. this anyway, so these people don't matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's sort of how you have to take it. Like, like at the end of the day, like, like that's how you have to sort of rationalize it. And I, I do agree that that's probably, uh, uh, you know, the what they were intending. Um, but um, I mean, that said, it did stand out uh, to me as like a bit of a weird moment. It stood out, and it, it seems like it stood out for John as well. So. Uh, uh, you know, you know. Sometimes you make a calculation. You think something is going to be read or interpreted in a certain way, and then, uh, you know, when it 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 plays with an audience, you're always surprised uh, by the things that people latch onto and uh, the things that uh, how people react. Like you know, sometimes they react in ways you intend, and sometimes they react to things that you, uh, you know, you never you never anticipated. Right. Yeah, def- definitely. And I think I, I, I think the I guess Will Wheaton does an after show thing that I was watching um, from, from yeah, the, the Ready Star Trek, Room. Yeah, the Ready Room. And I guess they talked to the prop master. And that was actually one of the things they, they were doing when they made these new badges is the guy was saying, oh, yeah, you could use it. It's also a it's also a weapon. And we used it as a weapon in the episode, which we've never done before. So this is something that was playing in the writer's room and stuff. And they were they were going for it. But it, it did it did strike me as a as a much more brutal scene than I would expect in, in a Star Trek 
um, episode. You know, this, that that did that did stick out to me too. Yeah, there were definitely. It was one of the surprises of the episode. Um, was 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 that scene? Um, and then uh, you know, of course, we all knew the. You know, the, the, there were a few other. It wasn't particularly violent, but I think that it, it, it was the cue striking the card and. And I, and I would say the fact that we're talking about it and remembering those scenes, they, they, they got it across without making it every single scene. And I think that's, uh, that's again, something that when yeah. done right in Star Trek is violence is something you notice. You don't just, you're not along the ride for it. You're not, it, it, it's not, you know, a, you know, a movie where that's happening every, you know, a few seconds, you almost get desensitized to it. We're, we're clearly sensitized to it, at least in the context of watching uh, this show. Right, because that's not that's not usually Absolutely. The, yeah, like it's not the cost of doing business. Right, it's it's not what it's not what Starfleet does is hit people. No, no, no. I was gonna say it's not it's not what we're used to with Starfleet, you know, or people in Star Trek going to resorting to violence as the first action um, or first response to something that's going on around them. Um, so I, I guess well, that's to why be fair, well, to be fair, um, Raffi was they were really. Uh, beating the crap out of Elnor and and uh, and you know Raffi was you know making him 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 hold it in and 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 take it. So when uh, 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 so so when she, uh, she finally gave him the the go ahead to uh, 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 to fight back, he uh, you know he went for it. I guess. <laughs> and, and that's very fitting with his character because he's not he's not uh, i wouldn't use the word brutal is not the correct word he is uh, i would say uh, efficient he's yeah, efficient. efficient highly trained yes, and yes part right, of yeah. that part of that total candor you know uh, uh that his order practices uh also has to do with the violence they don't revel in it they're they're, they're not taking the klingon approach oh interesting uh, it, it's the this is yeah. done because it must be done uh, and they it's when the order shows up in discovery same idea it's just this is the, the you know it's efficiency combined with uh, uh just necessity like this has to be done i will mm. do it and and there isn't much conflict after the fact about it but there also isn't the desire to do more you you don't see in him the desire to act violently outside of those moments um, right uh and and i think that's right. that's what defines a character like that uh in in a really interesting way which changes the moral paradigm of how you how you judge them but also, you know, what, what the consequence of having somebody like that around will be. Because I think we've, we saw in the previous season that they will do something that you're just like, oh, why did you just do that? was way over the line. They'd be like, what? That's what needed to be done. Um, so I, I, I think, I think they'll, they're also setting up that could be some interesting, uh, you know, 21st century moments with him where it's like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. Um, sure. Uh, you know, dial that back. Right, uh, right. And, and that's going to be, you know, now that you, know, you think about it, there's a lot of setup for how these characters are going to be in the 21st century. Um, you know, what, what their interactions are going to be like. And um, I'm almost, uh, you know, doubling back on the fact that, okay, we didn't get enough time to sink our teeth into what this alternate world was, but that comes because uh, uh, us, like the writers, are probably waiting to get to what it's going to be like in the 21st century. And, and, and you said it's, it's going to be fun. Something uh, jumped out at me was none of us were surprised to see the board queen. The context of this was a little more surprising uh, than, you know, th than I. It's a much different. It's board, going to be board uh, queen as a party member. Like it's literally going to be that sort of trope. And I think it's going to be hilarious because it's going to be a little bit scary of a board yeah. queen floating around <laughs> with you. But just that idea is so absurd that it's hilarious. And I was watching this episode <laughs> 
uh, uh, I guess it was Thursday night. And this is totally, you know, my like relation to it in my own uh, uh, fantasy life. I run a D&D campaign. And the night before, uh, I gave my party members, my players, a new party member who was a villain that they had slain previously, who they didn't realize wasn't completely dead. And it's basically the head of a vampire who just annoys the hell out of them. <laughs> and I'm watching this episode and I'm like, oh, they're going to do this. Wait, are my players going to think I like yanked this from the show or something? Uh, fortunately, I got to it the night before. But I thought as, as a storytelling trip, that right. is a lot of fun. And just uh, just the, you know, the fish out of water is that's not going to be like we're going to have to come up with a whole new metaphor for it. Borg in the 21st century and, and, and you know, in, in a stasis field, I, I have no idea what to compare that to. But it should lead to some interesting moments uh, uh, for what you know everybody's going to have to do. <laughs> just said since you're bringing up the Borg Queen is um, this Borg Queen obviously can see the multiple realities. And clearly this Borg Queen is different than the Borg Queen we saw from, you know, like before the snap of bringing them to the alternate reality. So I, I wonder what her, if she's already got a game plan for this whole thing, because they clearly are going to need her. Uh, and and I, I really do appreciate the direct reference to Star Trek four, where they said they had Spock and they needed someone else instead of Spock. So they have the board queen, which I really appreciated that reference to the, the voyage home. Yeah. I think that it's a very kind of effective way to kind of sketch out for the audience, make them understand to like justify why they need to take the Borg Queen with them, um, uh, you know, one of the advantages of 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 being an entry in a, a franchise that has existed for almost sixty years is that, like, you know, you can uh, you may view all those decades of accumulated continuity as restricting, but sometimes it's, you know, when you when wielded or deployed properly, it's actually. Um, it can be a strength. And the idea that that in order to justify, you know, w the situation, they they would be willing to, you know, make nice with the Borg Queen and have her join their party, as John put it. Um, all they have to do is reference a, a prior one of their movies and then you get it. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And there were a lot of references um, in this. I mean, a lot of fun references, too. I mean, yeah. you were saying this is not yesterday's Enterprise. And you're like, <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah, oh, I forgot, I forgot that about that. That, that. Was so, yeah, that was so, I love that. That was so delicious. Like, like <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, this episode, and this season too, like, I think this extends to the uh, the first episode as well. Like, I just feel they're, they're, um, the, uh, 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 the tone of it, while the subject matter is obviously very, very serious and dire, and I have no doubt that they are planning to say some pretty, um, you know, brutally honest, make some brutally honest observations about the state of the world. Um, they're, they're also not ashamed to have fun and remember that it's Star Trek. And I'm not saying that, that, um, that, that wasn't there last season or in any of the other shows. It's just that, you know, um, it, 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 it does, it takes some time to find the correct, uh, ratio of all the ingredients right before you 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 settle on something and i do appreciate that you know one of the flavors that they're trying to bring out is that sense of you know fun like this is fun it is fun to see uh patrick stewart as picard again it's fun to see him on the bridge of the stargazer it's fun to see him uh, uh get to play uh shakespearean general who's who's uh, uh you know up there with the Shakespearean General Chang, right? 
you know, it's fun. It's fun to see them being given these opportunities to like indulge and choose scenery and put them in these situations that like, you know, where, uh, I mean, it's sort of, it's, it's uh, to go along, to, to keep going with the same metaphor. It's, it's, it's just uh, delicious. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a lot of fun to see. Absolutely. I, I agree hundred percent with you, Josh, which, which as we, as we come like, I guess closer to, to our episode, but the episode itself, what, what do we think that they, what's, what's the plan? Like, what do you think we have, they have to do in the, in, in 2024? Why are they, why are they going back? What, does anyone have any thoughts? Well, I think if you're, if, 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 if the pieces are being laid, that it has something to do with uh, that deep space nine, two-parter about the, uh, you know, the, 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 riots in LA and, and around the world. I, I think Deep Space Nine already explored the, 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 who the historical figures of that. So it could be a sort of figure that was, you know, uh, assassinated or didn't exist or something along those lines. So you're going to get a very, you know, city on the edge of forever vibe of, oh, but that one, that one person is, uh, is killed. And as a result, everything changes. Um, but based on what I've already seen, there are going to be some surprises for it. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something, uh, uh, something with historical significance, something that uh, uh, is, is going to challenge who the characters are. And given that, given all the first contact references, it's probably going to be a bit of a uh, don't meet your heroes moment, you know, like they did with Co- uh, Zeph from Cochran. Uh, it might be one of those moments where that it's like, Oh, something that, you that know, is, interesting. Is, is idealized. They're going to find out there's more to the story of what happened in the 21st century from their perspective. Same way that we look back, uh, and think about certain events as well. It was it was clear cut who the good guys and the bad guys were. That this person was was a hero, etc. There's gonna be a, I think there's gonna be they're gonna be playing a lot more with that because they're gonna have a number of episodes in the 21st century. So they're gonna be meeting a lot of people and interacting with a lot of people, and we're gonna and they're gonna see what life was really like and what these you know ultimately whoever that person is because I, I from, from from the sport you know from those little you know trailer they gave us at the beginning of, uh, of the season. I think it's going to be a person. That's my suspicion is that it's going to be a person. It certainly could be anything at the end of the day. I mean, they played their hand a little bit with one of the trailers. I mean, they showed us that Brent Spiner was, was in it. In yeah, that, what's up with that? Like, right. obviously a Noonien soon descended. I mean, it's another type. song. Yeah, it's another song. So. And I think, I think the scene from the trailer was Q was, yeah, was asking him to do something um, in, that, in that quick trailer thing. So I, I guess that is, is something that's going to play into it if, if he is not directly like someone that they have to save or influence or something. I mean, I mean, Josh, what are your thoughts about? Yeah, you know, I really do think it's wide open. Um, I, I hesitate to even throw something out because it would just be, um, you know, they're really setting the stage for to, to do anything. I, I do agree with John. I think it'll be something I just... I don't know why I have this feeling. I just have a feeling that it'll be something like, you know, not someone who you have to save. I think it'll be presented as here's somebody that you have to kill. Mm. And I mm. think that, and I think that, you know, John, you said something about challenges, And I think that they're going to be presented with that classic trolley problem situation where it's like, you mm. know, what mm. if you could, like, you know, what if you you did have an opportunity to kill Hitler, right? Like, like, would you like, uh, 
do you have the moral authority? Do you have the right to to uh, uh, to do that? Uh, you know, if you have the opportunity to kill Hitler when they're uh, uh, before they have uh, committed the uh, uh, the acts that you know they will uh, be uh, responsible for or the catalyst for, um, because that's a challenge. I mean, that's kind of a. Um, I mean, that does a few things. It kind of you know th- uh, 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 puts the challenge to Picard of chance to quote unquote set history right um but if in order to do that it requires uh, um an immoral an immoral act an act of murder is that something he'd be willing to do like how does that factor in it's 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 kind of a catch-22 if you're trying to prove that humanity isn't a a a brutal savage child race right if like the only way to to avoid uh, uh that is through is through an act of murder or destruction. Um, I mean, I'm basing this on absolutely nothing. I don't know anything. I, I, I frankly, I hope it's, it's, it's something, it's something a little more interesting than the first idea that I have off the top of my head. Um, so uh, that said, whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited and curious and intrigued in a way that I, um, I'm, I'm I'm fully engaged. I'll put it in this way, and the pun is intended. <laughs> that's that's great. Yeah, I um, my thoughts on it are. I mean, Q Q's lessons are never easy, and the decisions to make are never like clear cut. So both I think both of what you guys said is is very feasible. Like making it making a decision that puts humanity's uh, setting humanity or the Federation right at the cost of losing your humanity is definitely something Q would do. Uh, and uh, or making yeah. it an, an event that they have to they have to stop that would that would cost them at the time but help them in the future. These these are all good Q possibilities, uh, you know. It's, and it's also assuming we we still haven't been really told what Q did, just that he changed the timeline somehow. Uh, he could yeah. have like inserted something in the past that affected all humanity. He could have directly intervened in someone's destiny. Uh, maybe that's what we're seeing with that 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 scene with uh, the descendant of Nunian Soon. So, um, yeah, I think all I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I think everything with that just it, ring, it rings true for what Q would do to Picard, especially to, to get whatever he wants out of Picard. I mean, ultimately, this comes down to he's trying to get Picard to do something or or at the very, very like just localized thing. He's trying to get Picard to see something that he has not been able to see in all the time they've known each other. So, it, you know, that might be the small victory that Q is hoping for before he goes on to whatever he's going on to. So what are our what are our thoughts and feelings going into episode three? Oh, I definitely need more. That's 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 we, once you put Q out there in front of me, I'm just like, I need more. I need to see more of the banter. I need to see where where this unfolds. And 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 you know, typically it's been a one episode you know story, so you 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 get that uh, feeling by the end. Still not left satisfied because there still aren't enough minutes on screen with 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 Q and those questions. But uh, this is going to be interesting to see how they how you know how how much of it is going to involve q in the first place how much of it is going to involve just the characters trying to figure out what the 21st century is um but i think it's going to be it's going to be a little more uh i think it's going to be a little more fun and uh uh you know modern looking uh than 
than than I would have initially expected, uh, and that'll and that and that'll be that that'll be its own interesting way of telling the story. I think that Q is going to pop up every so often as a foil, and we're going to think of him as the villain, but there's there's definitely a lot more going on here. So I'm excited. I'm I'm excited. Uh, I definitely have high expectations, and I'm going to hold I'm going to hold the show to those expectations. Uh, but I'm I'm totally ready for episode three. Excellent, excellent. And Josh, your thoughts going into uh, the next episode? No, same. I fully agree. Make it so. Make it so. <laughs> and I, I agree with that, John. You summed it, summed it up perfectly for me as well. So, um, so I think uh, I think those are all our thoughts for for this week's episode, um, episode two of Picard season two. I hope you all join us for uh, episode three's uh, uh, reaction show coming out at some point next week. Uh, so I want to thank you again for listening. If you're interested in making your own comments about our comments on the show, please come to the Facebook page, Secret Origins of Mint Condition. And if you want to uh, also follow us on Instagram, it's Secret Origins MC. And if you want to write us an email to get in touch with us or any other episodes, Secret Origins MC at gmail.com. Um, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to listen, and we will talk to you soon.